Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Amplify Your Business. Today, I am talking to a guy who might be the most ethical guest we have had on this <laughs> podcast to date. Welcome to the show, Russ Law, CEO and co-founder of Forensics. Did I get that right? You you did. That was perfect. Thank you, Lance. I really appreciate the, the opportunity to be here. Yeah, well, I'm excited to get into your story and uh, your business as well, because I think it's absolutely fascinating. I think our audience is really going to enjoy hearing this because it's really unique. You have a different perspective on recruiting the right person. And so I'm excited to talk about that. But before I do that, I want to ask you, what are three things that every entrepreneur needs to know when they're starting out or when they're growing their business and scaling? What are three things every entrepreneur needs to know? So that, that's a great question. Um, so the first thing I would say, and uh, you know, I have to credit my wife a little bit for this, is that the, the movie in your head when you open a business is that you're going to have people lining up to buy your, your product or service. And it's just going to be like this great little montage, you know, like from a John Hughes film. And yeah, build it and they will come. Absolutely. <laughs> and it's, you know, there's going to be cool 80s music playing in the background. You're just going to be like, you know, you're yeah. working hard. And what happens most of the time is that it's crickets. Yeah. You know, I, I left a, a very nice corporate job, a very stable corporate job. My parents, of course, thought I was insane because I left yeah. in the middle of like, you know, 2010 when, you know, the, the economy wasn't great to begin with. But, you know, I kind of had this idea that like, you know, I can kind of go out on my own and I've learned all this from working from one of the biggest corporations in the world. And I've basically been an internal consultant in my area of expertise, which was physical security and executive, executive protection and risk analysis. And I'm just going to have customers all over me. I'm going to be beating them off with a stick. Yeah. And that didn't happen. Phone didn't ring, you know, I, you know, did everything that, that, you know, an independent consultant usually does, you know, contacted everybody in my network, you know, built a website, did all this cool stuff. And it just didn't happen right away. And I think a lot of people, they experience that and they'll give up because that's kind of the, you know, that's the movie version of what everybody thinks starting your own business is. Yeah. But what it really is, at least in my experience and, and, a lot of the the other entrepreneurs that I, I commiserate with in their experience is that it's a grind. You know, it's it sure. really is a grind to start something from scratch and have that thing succeed over time. It's not a matter of just opening the doors. You know, it's a culmination of millions of tiny actions over time. Yeah. And some of those are up. Some of those are down. You know, that's the first thing. I think the second thing that caveats pretty well into that is those up and downs create a huge roller coaster effect. You know, yeah. there are days, especially running a, a, a tech business, that I literally feel like I'm on top of the world at 10 a.m. and I feel like I need to just quit and go find another corporate job at 2 p.m. And it might be the exact opposite the next day. But, you know, that's that's kind of the nature of it. It's just, it's got wild swings as opposed to the kind of stableness of, of a corporate job. But, you know, it's still in the end is the reward that you could potentially get is worth it. Um, you know, and, and it's not just the, the, the financial reward, you know, being yeah. an entrepreneur gives you the opportunity to, 
you know, really manage yourself in a way where you had previously just been managed by, by someone or, or by a group of people. And if you have the, the, the grit to kind of grind through it and to have some self-discipline, then it really is a, a much better kind of work-life balance if you can make it work. You know, you end up working more hours generally and you end up working weird hours. You know, you might be responding to emails at midnight, but that means you can go pick up your kid from the bus at three 30 without any, anybody messing with you. Yeah. Um, the third thing I would say, and that kind of ties in as well is that, you know, all those ups and downs are going to make you doubt yourself. You know, mm -hmm. there are going to be times when you say, you know what, this is the last ride of Wyatt Earp and his immortals because we're, <laughs> there's no way that this, we're going to make it past this challenge. But what that does is it gives you the opportunity to use all your resources to succeed. You know, you're not beholden to the prioritizations of a large corporation where if, if I'm an entrepreneur, like I'm running forensics, I can, you know, talk with my co-founder and between he and I, we can say, okay, you know, here's the challenge. Here's what we're doing. Let's go. We can make that decision. And so even though, you know, you might have some self-doubt still better than corporate because, you know, it comes down to you and what it is that you do to address the challenge, not kind of hiding behind some kind of corporate facade. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so how do you personally deal with that doubt that we all have been there? We totally have. Mm -hmm. There's a person listening to this call that has not suffered from bouts of self-doubt. So how do you personally get through that? How do you maintain that, you know, uh, I, I guess, positive outlook that, you know, I'm going to get through this? I mean, I, I got to give a huge shout out to my wife, Rachel, yeah, in that regard. Yeah. I mean, she's, she is my, my kind of sounding board. Um, she is also my, my, uh, I would say lens on reality, yeah. you know, where if, if I'm like just going crazy because I, I lost some, some prospects or, you know, whatever the deal is, you know, there's, there's a, uh, she is a, a great kind of like, lever to kind of bring me back to, to zero. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think that that's the truth, right? You hear that all the time behind every great entrepreneur is a, is a great spouse, right? And, and absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They can be the rock for sure. Um, yeah. A real partner in life. Um, and they become a partner within the business and just a, an adjacent kind of way, right? Because they are that sounding board in which you, you they do. You know, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's funny you say that, you know, because, um, you know, every, every once in a while we'll have a project and I'll, I'll ask Rachel, I'll be like, Hey, you know, would you yeah. be interested in doing this? And, you know, it's like having, you know, somebody who's, you know, she is a part of the business, even though she's not technically part of the business. Like if you listen to any of our video tutorials, she's the the awesome voice that you hear on, on ah, those. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Excellent. The voice actor. OK, yep. so I know people are probably intrigued a little bit by the intro when I said that you're probably the most ethical guy that I've which had. I appreciate, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. Which is uh, I mean, this is such a unique business that you have. And so why don't you tell us a little bit about the business, what problems you're trying to solve there and uh, really how you're approaching it differently than any other company I know of anyway in the space. So, 
Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks. Well, yeah. So at Forensics, we evaluate the life cycle of personnel risk. So we do that to address challenges related to pre-employment screening and vetting, insider threat detection, and workplace investigations. And we do that through an online smart questionnaire platform that mimics a face-to-face interview with an industrial psychologist or an experienced corporate investigator. And what we do, the value that we bring is we allow HR teams, corporate investigators and insider threat teams to get to know their workforce and the misconduct that workforce may be involved in through more informed and productive interviews. Yeah. Yeah. And so the big thing that I was really lashing on to is just that you were saying before we hit the record button, there's so few companies really focus on trying to hire you know, are looking at assessing the ethical part of the employee equation, right? And and you said to me that there's really two elements that make a great employee. Uh, why don't you share those with, with us? Right. And it, it's not just me. There's actually a lot of research out there that shows, you know, what factors correlate the most with job success. Yeah. And really, when it comes down to it, if you can nail aptitude and trustworthiness, then you have a very, very strong chance that this hire is going to be successful. Yeah. And, you know, there, there are an awful lot of ways to, to screen employee or candidates before you, you hire them. You know, a lot of that is, is kind of outsourced, you know, especially when it comes to risk, you know, everybody uses background checks. But yep. here's the thing. I mean, background checks are based on a broken system. They rely on incomplete and inaccurate databases. And the reason that those databases are incomplete is because companies and organizations have a lot of disincentives when it comes to reporting criminal activity inside their organizations. Yes. I mean, yeah, yeah, for sure. both in my consulting life and in my, my former corporate life, you know, I, I was in corporate security. I investigated a lot of people who were doing things they weren't supposed to be doing at work. Some of that was criminal. Almost all the time, that person, if we found enough evidence, the upper management said, get them out the door. Yeah, you just escort them out. You're not pressing charges. Get them out the door. We're not pressing charges. We're not not, going to report them anywhere. And there's a lot of reasons for that. You know, I mean, it's reputational risk. It's financial risk. You know, and it just takes time. You know, it takes time and resources to do it. And so from a, a corporate perspective, especially, it's just not reported. And so that person leaves your organization and they go to apply for a job somewhere else. That place runs a background check on them. And guess what comes up? Nothing. Yeah. And and so, you know, one of the things that I think is is kind of ignored when you're hiring new people, not you personally, Lance, but, you know, when when yeah. an organization is is trying to figure out if this person is right for their organization Every hire impacts your organization's culture and you have this one chance before you hire them to find out whether that's going to be a positive or negative impact. And I think a lot of people are just kind of squeamish when it comes to to questions about, you know, what kind of criminal or, or, you know, other counterproductive activities people might have been involved in. You know, what are their ethical attitudes around serious issues like theft and harassment and bullying and workplace violence? You know, those just don't come up in interviews. And a lot of that is because people, you know, you would be floored if you knew how many HR professionals I've talked to who have had zero interview training. Hmm. 
zero. And so there's just not this emphasis on making the interview the valuable tool that it can be. And yeah. so that's where we, that's where our organization really hits is that we decided, okay, you know, what part of this can we scale? Cause you can't scale the entire interview, you know, but it takes a lot of skill and a lot of effort and time for a true good structured interview. So yeah. we said, okay, we'll scale the part that we can scale and we'll give that to basically work alongside the process that people use for pre-employment screening or for internal investigations, for example. And what it does is it makes the interviews they have afterward so much more informed and productive. Yeah. Yeah. So, so basically, uh, if I understand this correctly, you have a piece of software that you sell, software as a service, then mm -hmm. to the clients that you have. They run their interviewees, their, their candidates um, through this question set that's going to be there that spits out some sort of assessment and then the interviewer then takes that information and can probe into it uh deeper into different areas i suspect and so on then to really make sure that they're hiring the right person that you can trust you can you 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 have some sort of level of confidence that they're going to be an ethical you know employee then right absolutely and it's it what it does is it it gives you a, a pathway to develop a strategy to actually have a, a good conversation with that interviewee. Yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's really good. So I'm really curious uh, because you said like in your background, you were, you know, in risk and, and, and investigating different things and stuff. And so before you started uh, like that was back in your corporate world, mm -hmm. um, what made you decide to, I guess, leave that job and then create this or get into consulting, I guess, initially, and then mm -hmm. you transitioned that into this. So, so talk to me about that because you talked about how that was, you know, a really good, comfortable job for a big, well, uh, multinational company. I don't know if we want to share who you worked with or not, but it's up to you. I mean, people can find out on LinkedIn, right? So, yeah, I guess. <laughs> um, so yeah, I did leave a, a very stable, nice, well-paying corporate job with one of the biggest companies in the world. And it was one of those when I started, I thought, you know, I'm going to be here forever. You know, I'm going to be a, I'm a company man at this point. Yeah. And it was a, a great, great job for about nine years of those 10 years uh, because I got to travel a lot. You know, I got to do be involved in a lot of projects that, you know, I never thought I would I would be involved in, you know, being a, a kid from you know, East Texas. You know, what the heck am I doing here you know, <laughs> on a, you know, protecting the board of directors in Japan, um, that kind of thing. Um, but as I got further into my career, there was a manager that I came across that started acting more and more unethically. Hmm. And it at first it was something that I kind of, you know, kind of brushed aside. You know, I didn't think that it was really going to impact me until, hmm. you know, that particular manager asked me to do something that was completely against policy hmm. and made it clear that he expected me to do it. So it was kind of at that point, I had just a total, you know, everything flipped on its head. And I said, you know what, I, I don't want to be a part of this anymore because nobody up in the upper management 
was doing anything about this situation that they all knew was going on. Yeah. Yeah. And so at that point I said, you know what, I'm going to go out and I'm going to try my hand at, at running a business on my own. So yeah, after that, you know, like you mentioned, I, I went and started doing some consulting, which I did for several years and really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, but you know, being an entrepreneur, one of the things that I think a lot of entrepreneurs notice after a while is that if you sell services, you're kind of limited by gravity. You know, you're limited by the amount of time you can spend on a project, the amount of projects that you can take on at any given time. Yep. And since I had had the opportunity when I was with my former company to work on some technology projects within the security department, I kind of had caught a bug for that. And I realized that, you know, software is, is one of those things that you can absolutely scale. And that, you know, if I can create something that, I can use technology to take on this problem of gathering information about ethics and involvement in criminal activity and, you know, even people's observations of, of their coworkers and colleagues who have been involved in misconduct, but maybe they're afraid to come forward to a real person or they, you know, there's too much friction for them to pick up the ethics hotline and call. Yep. You know, if, if I can do something like that, you know, that could potentially really impact the the business world in a very positive way. And so that was kind of what led me, you know, from from corporate to consulting to starting a tech company, um, even though I just have a journalism degree. <laughs> oh, that's really interesting. So I, I like your backstory a lot because it actually is very, very similar to mine. So I was working in a corporate uh, setting for nine years before I decided that I need to leave that. And it was because of some very unethical and actually criminal behavior of one of the VPs in that oh, wow. uh, business. Yeah. And so I flagged it to, uh, at that point I was part of the senior management team. And so I flagged it to the president of the company and, uh, in the, and the owners, owners as well, I eventually had some conversations with them. It was a private company and, the uh, the response was oh yeah no we'll, we'll we that, that's not right we will definitely crack down on that and yep. then you know a year goes by and there was no change even after you know repeated instances of it repeating and repeating and repeating and so it was just like i i can't be part of this anymore because that is just such a misalignment in yep. my, my values and and ethics and everything else and so so yeah we like, parted ways then and then i went into consulting so similar oh, wow. to you. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then ended up, uh, uh, building this business, Ample Media. But so it's really funny. Now I, I'm curious. Um, you know, you have a few partners. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think you said, uh, three kind of active yep. partners in the business there. And so when it comes to partnerships, I, mine is a sole, um, uh, you know, I'm the sole owner of our, our firm, but, mm -hmm. um, but in partnerships, they, comes with some challenges, also some benefits. Um, you know, you're, you're not alone. You got everybody kind of working together, hopefully anyway. Um, but I know in your background, you've had a situation, I guess, that occurred at the, at that partnership table. And, and so uh, one person had to, had to exit or whatever. Can you talk to me a little bit about in a partnership, how do you manage through that conflict that can occur um, when you have you know, different personalities, all with a, you know, a major stake in the business. It's, it's very challenging and it's, it's not ever a simple answer, I would say. Yeah. Um, 
because, you know, especially when you have a partnership where it's set up where everybody has an equal share. Yeah. And if one of those partners is not pulling their weight based on the expectations that you set together at the very beginning, then you get to a, a point where you have to say, okay, you know, are we going to keep going and just kind of keep dragging this, this one partner behind us to keep up? Or are we going to have to make a major change? Yeah. And those kinds of, of changes, without getting too much into, into the details, those kinds of changes can break a company. Absolutely. I mean, you know, and, and it's especially challenging when you already have a good set of customers. You know, the delivery of the product and the delivery of your service on the, the facade is that everything's working fine. Yeah. But then if you have, you know, some disagreements within the the owners, you know, that can break what could be a perfectly good company. And, yeah. and so yeah. it's, you know, I, I wish I had a, a really good answer for it. Um, but, you know, I would say, you know, you have to be able to understand when you should actually make a move versus just kind of trying to change behaviors. Yeah. Um, because behaviors can be changed to a certain extent. And, you know, there's, there's definitely, it, it makes you appreciate different personalities, you know, much more than, than just being kind of a, a worker or even a manager at a corporation because yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's kind of like being in a band, you know, everybody's got an equal stake and there's a lot of egos at play. And, you know, it's very easy for, you know, somebody, you know, for, for one person, whether it's the lead guitarist or the lead singer to just say, you know, I'm the heart and soul of the band and, and you know, you guys are not doing anything, you know, yeah. when that's not necessarily true, you know, there's, there's pieces that all have to fall into, to, to where they need to be. Yeah. So, so just talking about that a little bit, like knowing when the time is right to make that that move to, to make that adjustment to the ownership um, and presumably the senior management team as well. How, how do you know when is the right time for that? Is it possible oh, wow. to know? That's a tough one. Um, I can give you my perspective. I don't know. Yeah. How yeah, be. I think there's a lot of people out there that are much more knowledgeable than me at this, but you know, and from my perspective, when it, starts when someone's behavior starts detrimentally impacting the entire kind of vibe of that leadership team. Yeah. You know, and say, for example, you had, you know, I'll give you a scenario may or may not be true. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, say for example, you know, you've got three partners and, you know, they, they have, all agreed that they're all going to take uh, a part in a training session for their first big client. And it's a two day training session. You're training like 200 people. Okay. And the day before one of those partners says, you know what? I'm not going to make it without a, a valid excuse, without any excuse. It's just, I'm not going to make it. You know, that is the kind of situation where you have to step back and say, Whoa, like, if if that's the way that this is going now and everything's good, like how is that going to be when things get challenging? Mm, have yeah. somebody like that on your team, yeah. And yeah. and so you know I, that's 
I guess the 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 best guidance I, I can give is that when it it starts affecting the entire entire dynamic of the leadership team, you know, it's time to to make a move to at least attempt to change behaviors. And I, I think that that's, you know, like you when you mentioned, you know, your situation with the the unethical manager, you know, when you brought that to the attention of the senior leaders and they didn't do anything with it, that completely demoralized you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what it sounded like in your story. And, and I know that it, it did something similar to me and you'd be just floored by the amount of people who I know who have similar stories to you and I. Yeah. And I think that a lot of a lot of senior leadership hopes that things like that will go away. And they don't without you making an intentional attempt to change behavior. And yeah. if the behavior doesn't change after you attempt and make a, a solid attempt to change that, then you, you need to just say, okay, we're we're done here. Yeah. 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 And it's I, I liked what you were saying in terms of, uh, you know, around the timing, if you can align the timing to making those changes when the, when things are good, I think yeah. that's really, really important because the problem with it is when things are going good, we tolerate a lot more of those things that we can't really tolerate, um, for the, you know, the long-term success of the business because it's being masked by the good times and Absolutely. it's always going to be some bad times. And then it's when you're trying to make those, especially at the ownership level, some changes like that, then it just makes it really difficult for the business mm -hmm. to, you know, even manage through that precarious situation, that precarious timing. Right. So, so yeah, if you can identify it early on and if you can't get the behavior to change, like you said, and really work on that, uh, then I think making that change before it's too late almost is uh, obviously the better choice. Uh, it's just so hard, I'd imagine, to, to figure out when that is. Though. And, and it is, you know, it's it's difficult, especially if you have, you know, that mask of things going well. I think yeah. you know, you're spot on there. Yeah. Um, you know, I was listening to a, an interview with, with Matthew McConaughey. He recently wrote a book called Green Lights. Yeah. And he said one of the things he he figured out along his own journey was that he should journal when things were going well. Because he, when he first started out, he would only write things down in journal when he was facing an internal conflict or an internal problem. And then he would go back and read it and be like, well, you know, it sounds like everything sucks. But when he journaled, when things are going well, he could go back and read that and say, that's what my mindset was like then. Yeah, and that's how I, I approach things. And, I like and so I, I always took that as kind of a, a cool nugget of, you know, don't let the, the good times fool you into thinking they're always going to be good. You know, you need to be mindful and approach things of, okay, is this actually, maybe it is good. Maybe all is well and we don't need to make any changes, but let's at least reflect on it. Yeah. 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 Very good points. Um, okay. So a question that I often like to ask people too, is if you could send a letter back in time to your younger entrepreneurial self, so young entrepreneur, Russ, what would be in that letter? What would you tell yourself? So that's a, that's an interesting one. And I actually was just having a, a conversation with my wife the other day that I wish I'd started down that path sooner. 
Like there was, there was part of me that even before, you know, I felt like that, you know, I was having this conflict with this manager and that's what finally tipped me out. There was part of me that was just very loyal to the corporation and part of me that where, you know, I, I looked back and I had friends that started businesses and asked me to be a part of that back when I was, I was working for the oil company and I didn't do it because I was like, I, you know, I, I felt like I was somehow like betraying the corporation by, you know, having that thing on the side. Now, you know, we're in a completely different world now, right? Where everybody's got a side hustle. You know, this yeah. was back in, in 2007, 2008, where I felt like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm this company man, but yeah, I would have, I would, I would write myself in all caps, take the first opportunity you get to start yeah. your own business. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's tough, man. It's tough to take that leap. Right. And so, oh, yeah. Yeah. it's, I mean, it's scary as hell. You're just yeah. like, I don't know what I'm doing here, but I guess here we go. Yeah. Yeah. So it was 2008 for me when I did it? it. Yeah. And so was that the same year for you as well? Or I, I left in 2011. 11, okay. I left corporate yeah. in 2011. So you yeah. were a few years ahead of me. Yeah. And it, and I tell you, so I left right before the financial crisis hit. Mm. Right. And so that was, <laughs> I, you know, I was like, had my plan. I had everything all worked out. This is what I was going to be doing. And then within a like it was three months, I think it was four months of wow. me leaving corporate. Uh, then all hell, you know, broke loose. Yeah, the bottom like, fell Holy out. Shit, this was the worst timing ever. But you know, <laughs> yeah. you're scrappy. You, you find a way to make it work. Get a couple contracts, and uh, yeah, and that carried me through it. And then you start building the reputation and everything else. And so, even the worst of times to step out. And I just, I had a young family at the time and everything. Right? Yeah. It was the app turned out to be the absolute worst time. But the grit, right, that you were talking about earlier mm-hmm. on, um, when you when you have that, when you really persevere through it and push yourself, and you have a good supporting partner too with your wife there, yep. boy, it's it's really hard to stop you uh, if you just want to keep on going, right? So it's good. It is, and you know, and typically, you know, I would imagine, you know, for you, you started something that you were passionate about, kind of like I did, yeah. You know, and when you have that kind of I would say voice in the back of your head is like, this is what I actually want to do, not what a manager is telling me to do. Yeah. It makes such a big difference as far as incentivizing yourself to move forward. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. It makes even the bad days feel like not such bad days because you have that, that, the, the control, you have a little bit of power over what it is that you're going to be doing and, and how you're going to interact with people, how you're going to show up and who you're going to interact with and so on. So, yeah, yeah, it's that's, that's a big part of it is, is the freedom to kind of choose, okay, you know, not only what I'm going to do, but who, who am I going to grow my network with, you know, what kind of direction am I going to, to go, you yeah. know, philosophically with my company, you know, and, and it's not just like what your company does, but it's who you decide to hire. It's how you decide to handle things like conflicts in the business. Yeah. yeah, it's like all these little things that, you know, you now get to decide, which can That's be right. kind of scary, but is also like hugely liberating. <laughs> yeah, yep. very much so. Well, this has been great. I really appreciate the time. Rest. So if somebody wanted to connect with you, learn more about the business uh, or anything like that, what's the best way uh, to do that? Where should um, You can together? find me on LinkedIn, Russ Law. Um, it's a very easy, short name. Anybody yep. can spell it. And uh, you can also find us at www.forensics.com. Yeah. 
Awesome. Well, thanks so much. Really appreciate you taking the time to share your story, your journey. Uh, and I know that our audience is going to get something out of it. So thank you for that. And for those of you who are listening today and really like this episode and want to check out some of our other episodes where, where we interview other entrepreneurs about their journey, their challenges, how they overcame them and so on, head over to amplifyyourbusiness.ca. That's where you're going to find the archives. And of course, you can find us on all of your major favorite podcasting platforms out there. Just search Amplify Your Business. Until next time, everybody have a prosperous day. Thank you.